turn your architectural designs into stunning, immersive experiences with Enscape. This innovative tool integrates seamlessly with your design software to bring your ideas to life in real-time 3D and VR. With Enscape, you'll experience instant rendering, have the ability to make design changes on the fly, and present your projects in stunning detail. Ideal for architects, designers, and anyone passionate about visual storytelling in architecture, dive into the new era of design visualization with Enscape. Visit Enscape3D.com to learn more. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Toby Vida, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Well, welcome back, Toby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, you've been here before. You were episode 438. We talked about branding, specifically how to brand a modern residential architecture firm. I love that conversation. I love what you do with Vita House. It's exciting to see you grow and to continuously see what you're doing with the firm to get noticed, to differentiate yourself from others, to identify the ideal clients that you want and continuously work towards building a brand that attracts those clients. What we're going to talk about today is, I would expect, is sort of a continuation of that process. You've written a book called Supersizing Bliss, How We Have Betrayed Our Homes and the Happiness We Seek. I have a copy of it. I've read it. I love it. I think it is a much needed book. I love your point of view. And we're going to talk about that today. So welcome back. Thank you, Mark. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat about the book. Yeah. Let me introduce you for anybody who may not know who you are or didn't listen to episode 438. I recommend that you go back to episode 438 and listen to that episode as well. You don't have to listen to that before this one, but make sure you listen. Toby will go a little bit deeper in his origin story in episode 438 and talk about branding and how he's doing what he's doing. But over a quarter century of experience in the world of design and construction comes to bear on Toby's work. Uh, German by heritage and upbringing, born in Peru, Toby has had the privilege to study architecture, building science, drafting, and construction in Germany and the United States. Between various employments with architects, engineering firms, and construction firms, he graduated cum laude from the University of North Carolina here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm based, and that's actually where Toby is based as well. He ran uh, at the School of Architecture. So he graduated from the School of Architecture at UNCC. He ran his previous design build firm, Dialect Design, and a second company called Cube 11 for over a decade until he founded Vita House in 2017. In 2004, he received the Medal and Henry Adams Certificate of Merit by the American Institute of Architects. And in 2018, the third People's Choice Award of the North Carolina Modernist House Masamoto. And that's a, an award. Actually, we're working toward that award right now. So we're going for four? Yes. <laughs> All right. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, you'll have won that fourth award. Toby's also the acclaimed author of Supersizing Bliss, the new book, How We Have Betrayed Our Homes and the Happiness We Seek. It's an award-winning book about how we have 
come to regard our houses that we live in and the ideas and insights on how to create them better. He's been a frequent podcast guest. He's been here before. He's been with Jeff over at Context and Clarity, sort of doing the circuit, talking about the book, doing the things that authors do. <laughs> and so it's great to have you here, Toby. I'm looking forward to talking about this book. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Listening to you, that's a great intro and uh, life story there. <laughs> it is a great story, as you've been working hard for many, many years. And from what I see, the fruit is starting to bear a little bit, right? That all that hard work through all those years, that focus that you've done, it's starting to pay off a little bit, right? Most definitely. Somewhere I heard somebody say this phrase that they had tasted competency and that tasted good. I, <laughs> I have these moments now where I'm like, something's starting to settle. Yeah. I guess enough to write a book about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if anybody who's listened to episode 438, you intentionally focused on modern residential architecture, right? So if you go to Vita House, which is W-I-T-T-E-H-A dot U-S is a website and look at what you're doing there. You're on LinkedIn doing videos, morning mischief, talking about your ideas and sort of breaking down some of the concepts that come to mind. teaching non-architects about architecture, engaging other architects in the topic and sort of trying to help us see how we design for living differently, right? That in the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years, maybe 50 years, housing and the way we live has sort of been taken over by other industries and certainly focused on profit more than how we live and health and happiness of the people who live in houses. And so you're doing a great job there and all on brand. It's very interesting when you see the book, you're like, yep, that's Toby's, right? And it's all <laughs> part of the same story, all part of the same look. And so I have no doubt that the success that you're seeing today is from decades of hard work. Yeah, I love what I do and I love sharing with folks, you know, try to provide them with the richness that I see that is possible and to allow them to go on a journey that will be truly enriching for them. And there's a lot of forces coming at us that kind of make that difficult. And yeah. so it takes a minute to to concentrate what I think is important and sort of stay steadfast. Let's dive into that a little bit. The title of the book, again, is Supersizing Bliss, How We Have Betrayed Our Homes and the Happiness We Seek. The subtitle is the thing that gets me, how we have betrayed our homes and the happiness we seek. I think we all are seeking happiness, right? That's our main, yes. especially in America, that's what we're doing, right? Everybody's yeah. pursuing happiness. You know, it's in our founding <laughs> documents. But the betrayed our homes, can you dive into that a little bit? What's the book about and why is that your subtitle? Yeah, so I should premise it, since you say what is a book about, I'm trying to catch the curve and talk about that, what we should do and make it better and what makes us happy. But yes, I spend some time in the book trying to lay out what I see to be a landscape of cold, heartless homes that we try to make a life in or set up a home in. And that landscape of houses is really an industrialized system where the importance is to make money for precious fruit people. And so their task is to figure out how to build houses, create square feet the cheapest, and sell it for as much as they can. And they have the upper hand. 
thousands of homes are being added to the landscape every year nationwide. And so that's the only choice we have. Pick one of those. So we handed over sort of our interest in our homes to that kind of system. And we started to reflect our understanding based on what's given to us. And so right. it's awful, really. I think we're unhappy in our homes. One chapter in the book, I write about the pandemic, how we were forced to stay in our homes and realize we hate them. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody suddenly wanted to have additions, changes, upfit, pools in the backyard. Divorce rate went up during the pandemic. And, you know, not that I'm saying necessarily that all ills of our living together can be fixed by architecture. I think certainly that our homes have had their role. We were on top of each other. We couldn't stand each other. We had no chance to flee from each other or come together in meaningful ways. We have no chances to find rest or repose in our homes, to have moments to ourselves or meaningful moments together have this sort of richness and ups and downs of a daily life met with a stage and built environment that plays along, that aggrandizes it, that makes it better, that inspires it. None of that was given to us. And so I think that's the world we sort of live in. That's how we have betrayed our homes. We have given up on them. Yeah. We've handed them over to industrialized size builders and developers. Yeah. And you and I are witnessing that here in Charlotte. I'm sure it's happening in every region of the nation. You know, I live south of Charlotte, which was 10 years ago farmland, today surrounded by massive housing developments and continuing to grow, right? Every day, Route 16, north-south road that basically connects Waxhaw to Charlotte, North Carolina, you can see every day the traffic getting busier and deeper and crazier. And you can see the mentality of people and the responses they have to one another shifting from being cooperative and friendly to one another to much more aggressive and negative and instantly looking to, you know, find ways to get ahead of the next person. And, you know, I I think it's all a lot to do with the massive development that's happening, the speed in which it's happening, the houses we're living in. And people don't, you know, the general public, right? You and I as architects intellectually understand that, right? You look at what's being built, we understand what could be better and recognize that there's something wrong with the homes that the general public is being offered. I think the general public doesn't recognize that, right? They don't know. They're just like, oh, there's a great house. It's big, (laughs) right? It's worth a lot of money because it's big, right? Everything's valued on how big a house is. You know, even the real estate market is based on cost per square foot. Construction is often sold in cost per square foot, How can we do it better, first of all? And then I want to know, how can we change the way the house, the designs of homes? That's the first thing I want to ask. And then how, as architects, can we shift the way things are being done in the long term? Right? We can dive deep into that a little bit as we move into it. But let's talk specifically about the house itself. What's missing in the houses that are being built? Yeah. As a premise, I should say, yeah, so in the book... Its intention is to do exactly what you said there, is to ask that question and think about answers to that question, but talking to non-architects, to my clients and those that are interested. And to, so it was 
interesting for me to translate my thoughts into sort of a language way that is sort of understandable to everybody, really. And so what I like to suggest is for us architects, it's easy. We have learned this in school and then afterwards. I like to tell non-architects when the power of architecture is easily understood when you, or the power of the built environment, when you go into a cathedral, you're just walking in there, even as a non-believer, you are immediately filled with awe and really this grand emotion of being in a space that has grandeur and is, you know, these spaces of gods and all of that. When you are hopefully never, but if you find yourself in a prison cell, it's just another built environment that robs you of all kind of personal understanding, humanity, what have you. It's just the surrounding. It's just a built physical setting of it. In my book, I write about a couple of spaces. One I think most every American can relate to is the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. And for me, I have no relationship to that war or any of the names on those walls. But the physical setup of that, just these two granite walls cut into the ground and you descend into the earth, I mean, it gives me shivers down my spine every time. I've visited now three times, and all I want to do is sort of curl up in a fetal position, ball up on the ground and sort of burrow myself there into that fold of the earth. It's that powerful of a physical surrounding. And so that is what I think we need to ask. That's sort of a powerful, quick way to get non-architects to see how what you have experienced already how and what architecture, what the power of a built environment is. And I think what we have to do up to our homes is bring that back into that. And so we have to start with a clean slate. We have to forget all of those market forces you mentioned earlier. We have to understand that what we engage with is art. And then we have to love the process going into it. And so we have to ask ourselves as homeowners, what is it we want out of these homes? And we have to sort of be more curious and have our eyes wide open to what's possible out there. Those homes that we have lived in before are not showing us what's possible. But it's easy these days. You can find great homes all around the world from your couch And there's so much out there. And even from afar, even without walking into these spaces personally, even though that's the best way to do it, obviously, you can really get a sense that the possibilities are endless and the richness that we can get is endless. You ask sort of what is it specifically? So in my book, there's a million ways to approach it. In my book, I pinpoint four specific areas of architecture. One is just the structure. One is The space, I think that's maybe the most important part in what we engage in, the quality of space. I talk about texture and light and shadow, and without necessarily going too deep into any of those, but those are sort of easy points once you look at them closer and with intention, then then you can enrich the space, any space, specifically to what you need to do. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. 
outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs. With supply chain and staffing issues, these costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like RCAT.com is so important. RCAT works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find what you need fast and download it right there on their site without needing to pay for anything. It's free. You don't even have to register. So go try RCAT.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Unlock your full potential as an architect business owner at Entree Architect Network. Since 2013, Entree Architect has been the premier membership community designed exclusively for small firm entrepreneur architects like you. Join a vibrant community of like-minded professionals and gain access to a wealth of resources, mentorship, and support. From comprehensive courses to expert guidance, Entree Architect Network equips you with the necessary tools to thrive in your career. Master business strategies, enhance your marketing techniques, and excel in project management, all while fulfilling your continuing education requirements along the way. Break free from the isolation and connect with a supportive network that understands the unique challenges that you face as an architect business owner. Whether you're a startup architect or a seasoned professional looking to make a difference, join us and we will help you elevate your career, boost your confidence, and unlock opportunities for your architecture firm. When our community of entrepreneur architects is linked and leveraged as one, there's no limit to the impact that we can have on the world. Visit EntreeArchitect.com today and become part of our thriving network. Unleash the full potential of your architecture business. Join Entree Architect Network today, the premier global business organization for small firm architects. Learn more at EntreeArchitect.com. The work that you do at Vidhaus is very unique. You know, it's very modern. It's designed specifically for a specific client, right? Who have specific needs and desires. And so everything that you just said makes total sense for that client. Is there any way that we as architects can, or let me rephrase that. Are there opportunities for the big builders, right? The big public companies that are building thousands of these houses who are building, you know, cookie cutter, bland, you know, as cheap as possible, build as fast as possible how homes, are they missing out on an opportunity to leverage what you just described for the homes that they're building in order to bring some of that happiness into the homes that they're building and differentiate themselves from some of the other companies that may not be doing that? A hundred percent. I think this could be Absolutely. These considerations are universal, and I think everybody can benefit from it. The developer's interest is to make money, and you can make money of that fine by me. <laughs> if in the process you make everybody right. happier, yes. The problem is that for the system right now, the, these bigger developments in the worst part for them, for the system, is risk. Right. And so I think that they tend to fall towards that what is safe. And so for whatever odd reason, 
I try to go into it a little bit in the book, but the system that has developed, it's not like one developer or a cabal of developer got together and figured this out. It just sort of happened over time, which is what you said earlier, is that the value that is being sold in the homes that we get to choose from is based on two numbers. One is the zip code and one is the square feet. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And so the more square feet you can offer in a better zip code, the more money you can make. And that's the safe calculation that developers have in front of them. And for them to veer away from that and consider something that could be richer for the customers and certainly more enriching for them as on a monetary basis is probably one hard to switch to. But I think there's no doubt about it. If any developer is listening here, then I should say that every single client of mine finds that they have to sort of go over that hurdle of spending more per square foot, not more as over a budget. They have whatever they have to spend, right. but more per square feet and therefore a smaller house per square feet, but a bigger house in terms of spatial sense and richness that they get. They find out that at the moment they move in, the value of their home, the monetary value of their home is a multiplier of that of what they invested. I've so many times I had had clients of mine out of just other personal reasons have to sell their homes and there are lines down the sidewalk and people bidding on their homes and values that are far beyond what the market metrics, zip code, times square feet actually asks for. And so for any developer, I can only say, just do it because, you know, you would be stupid not to. Yeah, I think there's a massive opportunity for a developer to to focus on things other than square foot and zip code and differentiate themselves, right? Similar to what you did with your company, right? They can do the same thing that, you know, every big developer is like every other big developer, right? You have no idea, you know, you can go one to one development built by one big company and you go to another big development by another big company and you have no idea. There's no difference, right? The houses that are being built are the same. They're just bigger, you know, maybe different styles, maybe different colors. Yeah. But there's nothing that sort of differentiates them from a design point of view. I mean, I think there is a power in design. There's a value in design. I agree with you that the risk is the problem, especially with big public companies, right? Public companies have to provide a specific profit. And if what they're doing is profitable, they're going to continue doing it and they're going to double down on doing it. Yeah, I think that there is an opportunity for a big developer to take that chance and shift the language, shift the story. But I also think that it's also our responsibility as individual architects. You're specifically doing that with your book, right? That you're not waiting for the AIA to start running ads. You're not waiting for some big builder to make that change. You've written a book and you're out there publicizing that book and talking about what's in the book in order to, you know, change the conversation, to change the story of what makes homes valuable, right? What makes homes rich and better to live in, right? That literally have better lives by living in houses that are well-designed. And I think other architects can do that too. They don't necessarily have to write a book. Certainly if more architects wrote books about this topic, the story would shift, but I think that with the technology and the social media that we have and the media control and simplicity of doing media in every level, right? Print, 
podcasting, video, speaking, live, you know, public speaking, get out there and tell that story because we need to shift the story, right? That our clients, the people who are living in houses are getting fed a story, right? That the big builders have a story. The realtors are telling that same story. HGTV is telling that same story. Home Depot and Lowe's are telling that same story. So we can't blame the homeowners, right? They're just listening to the story and believing that story. And there's no alternative to that story. And I think if thousands of architects decided to tell their story individually, that adds up and that starts to change the conversation. Yes. I mean, I love people and I want them to have a better life. And I hold possibilities with in me for one tiny sort of slice of what influences their lives. And I, you know, if if I could help everybody in that way, you know, I yearn to help everybody in that way. And yes, I think that all of architects, all of those architects that are specialized in their residential area, my niche in this, yes, we have so much to give, so much to share, so much goodness to bring to our clients. It is upon us to share, to bring that forward, to yeah, just make it available, make that goodness, that richness, the possibilities available to our clients. And we have to communicate. Yes. I mean, and days is so easy. I mean, yeah. you know, you have podcasts, video, blogs, anything. There's so much out there that you can plug in and share and just help everybody to have a better life. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years ago, HGTV had a massive impact in the way homeowners looked at design and architecture. Today, YouTube has a bigger impact, right? And we can control YouTube. HGTV, we had no impact unless we decided to pitch a show to HGTV and get, you know, allow them to air it, which they would probably change it anyway, even if you did get accepted. But YouTube, you could start a YouTube channel today and start creating content sharing this message to, you know, even if you had a hundred people become subscribers, right? If thousands of us had 100 subscribers listening to our stories, that's hundreds of thousands of people listening to our stories as architects, right? That's one way that we can do that. The other way that, that I'm working at trying to do that is to build a network of architects, right? Bring us all together. So then that leverage that we have as a network can make those types of impacts. One of my biggest dreams is to bring all of our small firm architects in the world together and then create the funding that we need to do our own developments. Yes. I and mean, wouldn't that be amazing to be able to say, okay, you want to do a development, Toby, right? And, and you don't have the funding. Well, we have the funding because now we have this big network and this big organization that has the structure and the organization to be able to fund your development. Let's partner and go do it, right? Go find the property, go pitch the idea. And we'll fund it for you and you go build it. Yeah, I love that. Wouldn't that be awesome? That is absolutely awesome. I love that all around. And that's exactly where the power lies. It's in the numbers. And, you know, we all have what we're talking about today. All of us architects feel very similar. And we have all of that to offer to improve on that. And so 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You have to try it all out. I tried myself. I've built now a good... I don't know, half a dozen or so homes myself, just in order to break through the seal of what the developments are out there so that I can just simply 
build it the way I think is right and sell it for what I think is right. And we have to do that. We have to do all of those things. And yeah, I mean, the power is all with you, Mark. I mean, well, it's, it's all of us, yes. right? All I'm doing is creating an opportunity for it to come together, right? I can't do it. I can't bring it together, right? People have to come and join, you know, become part of the network to do that. All I can do is provide the network and the dream, right? Talk about the vision, say, this is what we could do if we did this. What I really like about that, not only is about the idea of being able to do that, but once you do that and do a development that's now competitive with the big developers and show that it works, right? It becomes a high demand development that everybody wants to be part of and people will pay extra to become part of it. The developers will see that and they'll say, wow, look at what's happening there. I want to do that too. And then they shift what they're doing because of the success that the developments that we design and build are having. That's the real impact, right? Not only that we get to do it, but we can shift the way that the industry does it by showing that there's another way. That's incredible. The word that just sort of popped in my head is sort of emancipation. I feel like that with my book, I wanted to allow my clients to have the emancipation be allowed the growth or the beauty and richness that is available to them. And you're saying the same about the group of architects and the network that you're building, the same thing. It's like you have the voice, you have the power, you have the understanding, you have so much value to give, do it. As a matter of fact, for my business, for the design business, I'm concentrating on three simple things. And the number, the very first thing is to give my clients the confidence to simply do something right and different from what everybody else is telling them to do. And you're doing the same thing with the network. It's like you're providing so many architects the strength to believe in themselves and all that power and skill that they bring and bringing that to town and sort of, you know, providing it and making it bring value to other people. Yeah. I love what you've done. And I love the book, not only because it's out there, sharing your story, right? And encouraging that read it to do things differently, but it shows an example of what other architects can do, right? They could write a book, right? They could start a YouTube channel. They could start a podcast. They can start a blog. They can just be on Twitter talking away. I know a lot of architects that are just out there just doing Twitter and making an impact by being consistent, sharing specific ideas, create a following, right? If thousands of us do it, we can have an impact on the way things are done. And not only, like I said, not only do it differently ourselves, but influence the industry. Right now, we have very little influence on the industry. They don't care what we think. They're going to do it the way they always have done it and have always made the money because of the risk that you talked about. But if they can see an example of some other way of doing it, and they could point at it and say, look, they're doing it. They're making money. We can do that too. That risk is reduced. And they can shift too. A hundred percent. And it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy for me, for instance, with the book, writing the book was a learning curve for myself. I walked away from it so much more enriched with my own understandings and yeah. sort of, you know, clarifications of just loose notions that I had. And they multiplied, of course, on top of each other. And so just the process of it, even if I weren't to hand it to a single person, just the process of writing a book, the process of going on Twitter and speaking there, having a YouTube channel, whatever it might be, having a podcast, any of them, 
clarifies these thoughts. Look at the conversations we have right now. It's because you, eons ago, set up this podcast and build the fellowship that you're talking about and a network and people that are listening and interested. And you bring other people, you bring me in talking about my ideas and suddenly new ideas come out of it. I clarify ideas just by talking about it. Other people listen to it, you know, build on that and come back to it. Conversations get enriched and enlarged and widened through all of that. So you have to do it. We have to do it. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Supersizing bliss how We've Betrayed Our Homes and the Happiness We Seek is the name of the book. You should go not only buy that book and read it yourself, you should buy a packet of them, you know, buy a dozen of them and give them to every client that you work with. If you're a residential architect, you should have these books in your studio and your first meeting with them, you hand them the book and say, read this book because it'll make your job easier, right? Because <laughs> Toby's already doing the work for you. Get them to read it. They'll understand, right? They'll have a mindset shift on how the process works and how they can contribute as clients. And so it's a great tool. So even if you're not going to write your own book, push Toby's book, give the book you know, to your clients. <laughs> He's done the work for you. It's Supersizing Bliss. You can learn more about it at supersizingbliss.com. You can buy it there. You can get it anywhere you buy books. But it's supersizingbliss.com is the website where you can learn more about it. Toby, before we wrap up, I'd love for you to answer the final question. You answered it last time, but I want to hear what your answer might be today. What is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? It's easy. Sign up to Entree Architect and there you have it. But secondly, I think, so for me, my understanding, what I found out is that there's riches in niches and the more specific we can get the better we can serve our clients. I know it's hard sometimes to sort of believe that or tap into that. There's a couple examples that I love. There's one member of the Entree Architect community that is specialized in gas stations, and she knows everything there is to know, whatever. Uh, EPA rules, turning radii of tanker truck, tank trucks, whatever it is how to set up the internal, you know, the shopping part and how to make it more profitable for the gas station owner, how to make it more practical, how can I keep my customers here longer, yada, yada, yada. She knows everything there is to know about gas stations. And so, you know, we kind of grow up in this labor arbitration setting, big companies, we have to pump out drawings. What she does now, she can, as far as sort of drawings are concerned, do it in half the time and spend the other half of her time enriching the life of her clients, gas station owners, make them more profitable, provide a better gas station. And so there's an example where to concentrate on one thing, to really fill that out and bring all of that wealth of information to your clients, better for them, better for you, the more profitable you will become. I strongly believe in that. I'm living it myself. And so I can only urge everybody to consider that. I think there is no successful generalist out there. Agreed. His name is Toby Vitta. It's W-I-T-T-E. Vitta House is the name of the company. The website is Vitta House. So it's W-I-T-T-E-H-A dot U-S. So it's a dot U-S. W-I-T-T-E-H-A dot U-S. Go check it out. You'll see what we're talking about in terms of branding and focusing on a client. Uh, Toby does a great job. That website is a great example 
of a successful, you know, focused brand. Go check it out at VidHouse. Supersizing Bliss, How We've Betrayed Our Homes and the Happiness We Seek is the name of the book. Supersizingbliss.com is where you can learn more about it and buy it. Buy a whole bunch of them and give them to your clients. Toby, thank you very much for developing a brand, right? And showing other architects how by focusing on a specific niche, you can succeed, right? Because there's a lot of fear from architects to do that. Intellectually, it makes sense to sort of try to serve every market, right? Get every market, spread yourself as far and wide as you can. And, you know, as things go up and down, you can grab some of that work. But actually, it works completely differently, right? If you focus and become an expert, you can succeed and become really successful for your clients and for yourself. And you've done a great job of that. And not only have you done it, you're out there demonstrating it, talking about it. And you're shifting the conversation about the way we live in the book, Supersizing Bliss. So thank you. Thank you for leading the way, you know, and showing other architects and clients how to do things better. I appreciate you for that. And I appreciate you for coming by and sharing it here at Entree Architect Podcast. Oh, Mark, thank you so much for all of that. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Keep it going. I will. Thank you. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share a link to this episode with a friend because that is how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. By sharing a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I appreciate you for that. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode, RCAT and Entree Architect Network. Links to sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode and every episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast. Select episodes of Entree Architect Podcast are approved for AIA continuing education credit. Learn more about our new Gable Members program at gablemedia.com slash members. That's G-A-B-L media.com slash members. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and go share what you know. Are you NCARB certified yet? Join the network of over 45,000 architects who have the NCARB certificate to expand your professional reach. By becoming NCARB certified, you are demonstrating that you've met the national standards for licensure, a qualification that can be an important factor for firms when hiring and promoting. Certificate holders have a streamlined path to apply for a reciprocal license in all 55 U.S. jurisdictions, as well as access to an extensive library of free continuing education courses. Learn more today at ncarb.org. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? 
Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.